morning, guys. How are you all? Huh? <laughs> are you well? Yeah? I always feel like it's me up here speaking at you to you. And so sometimes it's actually great just to hear from you. Um, and as Brendan, Brendan, as Brendan mentioned, um, if we haven't met before, my name is Kimmy, and I'm one of the leaders here at Harbor City. And as some of you may know, I recently started a new job. I was working in the insurance industry, and now I have moved on into the jewelry industry. And it really has been an interesting change in environment. And one of the things that I personally feel like God has just been growing in abundance within me is the practice and the art of self-discipline and self-control. Because honestly, working in a jewelry studio surrounded by all these beautiful things is just really a daily challenge of just reminding myself that this is not a shopping day, it's a working day. This is not a mall, it's a workplace. And so hopefully, maybe you can even pray for me that God would continue to strengthen me there because it's tough. Um, But it's just really actually been so amazing to learn about the process of jewelry making. I think... Before I entered this work environment, I thought it was like a very feminine, like pretty thing to be doing, but it's hardcore. And one of the things that I think I've learned about is just the refining of metals and seeing how actually we um, receive gold and metals in a form that has to be refined and processed to produce something beautiful. And probably the thing that has most shocked me since I've begun um, working there in the studio and in the workshop is this black plastic bag that sits in probably the darkest and dingiest corner of our studio. It's a big um, black plastic bag, very similar to the ones that you actually find in your dustbins at home or in the trash. And inside of this black plastic bag are a multitude of little see-through plastic bags. And if you look at these plastic bags, you'd almost say there's nothing in them. Sometimes you can maybe spot like a remnant of dirt or dust. And I kind of looked at this packet and I thought, like, just said to my boss, you know, do you need me to take this out to the trash? Like, why is this here? You know, what are we doing with this thing? Like, why are we keeping this here? We've got a confined space. Like, what's this for, you know? And the thing that shocked and amazed me was this, is that she said, actually, no, that's, incre- that's incredibly valuable, that black plastic bag, because all those little see-through plastic packets actually contained the gold, the gold that not, had not yet been refined or processed. And actually, those little remnants of dust and dirt were not dust and dirt. They were little specks of leftover gold. And what happens is we take that big plastic bag filled with all those little tiny see-through plastic bags, and it gets taken to be refined. And once it's refined, it actually produces this 24-carat fine gold. If you know anything about gold, anything about jewelry, that is the best of the best of gold. It's the gold from which all other pieces are made from. And um, this black bag that was seemingly garbage was seemingly something that should be thrown in the trash. Once refined and renewed, creates and forms something of real value and of worth. It creates beautiful expensive pieces of jewelry. In a sense, I really believe that this is a picture of what God is doing in our city and in our world and in our own hearts. He's taking that which seems like garbage, which seems like useless pieces, useless creation, distorted and broken things, and he's refining them, and he's redeeming them, and he's restoring them, and he's renewing them into something that is incredibly beautiful and valuable. And at Harbor City, one of our cultures is this culture of renewal. 
And um, you might be sitting there wondering, you know, what does that actually mean? What does that culture of renewal mean? And what it means for us as a community at Harbor City is that we believe that God wants to use our everyday lives as opportunities to bring the power of his gospel to our city and to the people that live in it. That he wants to use us and partner with us, use our gifts and our talents to see the city of Durban and his creation restored and redeemed and made new. And this morning, what I want to take a look at at is actually this culture of renewal and how it affects us in our workplace, how God is wanting to partner with us to bring renewal to the city of Durban and to our world through our work environments. And before we get into it, I think it would actually be great just to classify and define what do I mean when I talk about a workplace or a work environment. Because I think for a lot of us, when we automatically think of work, we probably think about the job or the career that we get paid to do. But in the context of my message this morning, I'm not only talking about that work which we get paid to do or our careers or our job titles, but I'm talking about the very thing that we give our lives to, building, creating, and shaping here on earth. It's the things that we give our hearts and our lives to forming and shaping in this world. That does include our jobs and our careers and our places of work work but it also includes our other work. It includes our parenting. It includes our husbanding and our wifing. It includes our studying and our learning. It includes our volunteering. It's that which we are giving to building and shaping and creating here on earth. And for many of us, if we're honest, our attitudes towards work are kind of very similar to the attitude that I had towards the black plastic bag. Am I right? Some, for some of us, we just want to like throw that whole thing away. We don't see it of being of any value or of any use. In fact, we see our work as just being a means to an end. It's the thing that we do so that we get to do the things that we are, are actually passionate about. It's the thing that we do to earn money so that we can live our lives. We don't see work as a fundamental part of our life. In a way, we work to live instead of living to work. For others of us, we see work as our God or our idol. It's a thing that we have poured ourselves into because it's the place where we have found our identity. It's the place where we have found our validation and our self-worth, and it's become who we are. Our work has become our God, and our place of work has become where we worship. Maybe for you this morning, you're somewhere in between those two things. Perhaps you've just become apathetic towards your work and you can't see or understand that God is wanting to um, bring life and use you in a profound way to advance and cultivate his kingdom. But actually, he's called you to be a minister in your workplace and to do ministry there. We may ask ourselves the question, what does my work have to do with my faith? What does my work have to do with a culture of renewal? And this morning, what I really want to do is take a look and see what the scriptures have to say about this, how the scriptures show us that actually our work is interwoven and intertwined with our faith, and that God is wanting to use us and partner with us to bring about um, a culture of renewal in the city that we live in, to renew and restore and redeem um, the people that we are surrounded by, but also the environments that we are surrounded by. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be looking at a few scriptures this morning in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Um, unfortunately, I don't have time to read through like each of those chapters, which I'm sure you're thankful for. But if this is a 
area that interests you and, and you really want God to speak to you in, I suggest um, that when you're at home, if you have some time, that you just read through these three chapters, the first three chapters in Genesis um, at your own leisure. Um, but this morning, we're just going to be focusing on a few of the scriptures from these chapters. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, it's a very well-known verse. <laughs> it says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then we're going to jump down to verse 26. In between verse 1 and verse 26, we read in Scripture that God is creating the world. He's forming the planets. He's making space. He's making the oceans. He's making the sky. He's making the animals and the plants. And then we see it drops down to verse 26 where we see God making humanity. And it says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That, that, that line intrigues me. <laughs> um, but in Genesis chapter 1, what we're seeing here, our first view of God is a God who is a God at work. He is forming and creating something from nothing. We see that he is a God that enjoys his work, that is fulfilled and satisfied in his work. We see also that not only is he a God at work creating things and making things and building things, but we see that he is a God who is making us. He's making humanity and he's making us in his image, which means he's making us in his likeness. He's making us to be image bearers of him, to reflect his glory, to point people towards him as they view our likeness um, in respect of who he is. We see that we too are creative, just as God our creator is creative. We see as he is at work forming and shaping things, that the same um, thing is put inside of us by God to form and shape things. And I think often when we hear of people saying that they are creatives, they are part of the creative industry, we kind of, if we are not an artist, a designer, or a poet, then we kind of exclude ourselves from that category. But we see here that what it means to be creative, what it means to be made in the image of God the creator, is that just as he builds and makes and um, kind of brings life to things, so is he calling us to do the same, to build and shape and form something in our places of work, in our work environments, that he has given us a kingdom authority. It says there in verse 26 that he has given us dominion over the earth, which means that he has given us this kingdom authority to steward and cultivate the gifts and talents he has put inside of us and the things that he has blessed us with for his glory, that we would cultivate his kingdom here on earth as we partner with him, to see him um, bringing life to the things around him. The image of God in Genesis chapter 1 is a God who is bringing life. Throughout Genesis chapter 1, we see that he is bringing life from nothing. From nothing, he is forming something, and as he does this, he is creating life. And we see, um, as we're about to read the scriptures in Genesis 2, that as God brings life to humanity and breathes life into humanity, he entrusts humanity to breathe life into the work environments and workspaces they find themselves in. In Genesis 2, verse 7 to 8, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. 
In verse 15, it then says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And we see in those two verses that what God has done is he's given us life in his presence. As we've encountered him, as we've come to know him and be known by him, he's breathed his life into us. But not only has he done that, but he's called us to partner with him as we use the life that he has given us, the blessings that he has given us to bless and bring life to those who are around us. We see in these two, two passages of scripture, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, that work is not in fact a confinement or a punishment or a curse from God, but that in fact it is our very assignment that he's put over our lives. That as followers of Jesus, as children of God, he has actually mandated us and given us an assignment to build and create and cultivate his kingdom and bring his life to all that is around us in our work environments, in our workspaces, not only to the people that work in those spaces, but also to the very creation itself. We see that God sends Adam in the garden to work and to bring his life and to cultivate his kingdom. And that same God who sends Adam is sending us to do the same because he wants to see his kingdom cultivated on earth. He wants to see humanity thrive and flourish and glorify God and serve him. And he's giving us that assignment and mandate over our lives to partner with him to see that happen. But if we're honest, I don't think that's the reality that most of us face. Often, we can feel like our work environments are not a place of life. It doesn't feel like they're a place full of God's presence and kingdom. It doesn't feel like a place of ministry for ministers. It doesn't feel like a place that is being renewed and restored and redeemed by God or bringing renewal to the city and the world. For some of us, it might feel like a place of disappointment. Perhaps this morning you find yourself in this work environment where you are just disappointed. It wasn't what you thought it was going to be. It wasn't how you thought it was going to be. It is not the picture that you had envisioned for your life. Perhaps you're not earning the money you had hoped to earn. You don't have the job title you'd hoped to have. You don't have the boss you'd hoped to have. You don't have the flexibility you'd hoped to have. You just feel like it's just one big disappointment. For some of us, it might be a place of pain. When you come into your work environment, perhaps your home or the place where you study or the place where you volunteer, it just feels like a place of pain. It feels like as you come into that environment, you're just surrounded by corruption and greed and the things of this world that are just so broken and distorted. You feel perhaps like it's a place where exploitation is flourishing instead of the life of God. And you wonder, what is the point of being here? Shouldn't we just throw this all away, put it in the trash, and start again? Perhaps you feel pain when you think about the workplace because you don't have a job, and you desperately need a job. And so when you even think about the work environment or the workplace, it's just a place that reminds you of pain. Perhaps for you this morning, it's a place of false fulfillment. As we spoke earlier about an attitude towards work of that of work being our God, We've come to serve work as our God. God we're, our work has become our idol. It's a thing we've sacrificed maybe everything for. We've sacrificed our family. We've sacrificed our health. We've sacrificed every other good thing for this one thing. And we feel almost like we're on this hamster wheel, always trying to attain fulfillment in our work, but never quite getting there because work is not something that can satisfy us at all. Perhaps it's become a place where we're just bored. We thought it would satisfy us. We thought it would bring life to us, but actually it's just brought boredom. 
And so for many of us, we can struggle to connect our work and our faith because of the realities that we face, for the environments that we're in. And it's hard for us to imagine our workplace or work environment or the place where we're building and shaping and creating as a place of ministry or a place where God can bring his renewal to um, people's lives with the gospel. We struggle to see how we can be partners with God in cultivating his kingdom in these areas. We might be asking ourselves the question, how is it that my work environment, my place of work, is so different from what we read in Genesis 1 and 2? So different from the original design and intention God had for us as humanity in our workplaces? And I believe we see the answer to that question in the next chapter, which is Genesis chapter 3. In this chapter, we see that sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, we see that it breaks and distorts everything. It doesn't just break and distort the human heart and the human soul, but it breaks and distorts all of God's creation. And how this happens is, is that God and Satan are at odds with each other. They're in conflict. Satan has looked and seek to have glory for himself. He himself has wanted to become God. And so he has rebelled against God. And God has now... Um, kind of banished him, kicked him out of heaven. And so Satan, in response to that, has come and seek to destroy the very thing that is most precious to God. He wants to take it out. He wants to kill it and rob it and destroy it. And that thing that is most precious to God is us. It's our humanity. It's humankind. And so he comes to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he lies to them, and he tries to get them to believe that God is holding out on them, that actually God's mandate and assignment and life that he has given to humanity, to Adam and Eve in the garden, is not enough. Surely there must be something more. They, he, they believe the lie that God is held, holding out on them. And as they rebel against God, just as Satan did, we see that sin enters their hearts and it enters the world and it distorts and breaks everything. Not only are we separated from God, but the earth becomes a contested space, which means the kingdom of God is at battle with the kingdom of Satan. Sin and, um, and, and the whole situation in the Garden of Eden, the fall, it, it, it crushes us, it breaks us, it distorts us, and it distorts the world. And we see that God's assignment over us becomes a painful toil. In Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19, it says, To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree of good, about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you will return. And we see in this passage of scripture that God says to them, now work has become a painful toil because sin has entered the world and it's broken and distorted it. And the sin has broken and distorted all aspects of God's creation. As image bearers of Christ, of God, as image bearers of our Father, the Creator, we still create and work and shape and build things, but now those things have become slightly distorted and broken. Where we once worked and lived and created and brought life to glorify God and to love and to serve Him and to love and serve one another, we now look to glorify ourselves, to bring glory to ourselves and to love and serve ourselves. 
we see that God's original design and intention has been distorted, but it hasn't been destroyed. What hope then is there for humanity? When you look around you, when you think of your work environments, when you think of the city around you, I think I often think, what is the hope for our humanity? What hope do we have of seeing this renewed? What hope do we have of seeing life in abundance? Because it can look like devastation and distortion around us. And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is the only hope that our humanity has. Jesus is the only hope that we have of seeing creation, our work environments, and our own hearts redeemed, restored, and made new. It's through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection that God is making all things new. That was his plan, that through the death of his son, that our sins may be forgiven, and that we may be whole, that we may be renewed, that our hearts can be restored and redeemed. But he doesn't just stop there. The scope of God's redemption matches the scope of his creation, meaning that he is wanting to come and redeem all of creation, including our work environments. Through Jesus, he is making all things new, and he invites us as followers of Jesus to join him in his renewal of his creation, in, in the renewal of our work environments and our workplaces. Our work environments are not only the context of our personal stories, but they are the context of God's story. They are, con- they are the context of what God is doing all around the, the world, renewing and restoring and redeeming it. And it's, we, we actually become storytellers as we do our work, and our stories point to God and point to the glo- His glory. God chooses us as his followers of Jesus to partner with him in the industries that we find ourselves in, whether that is in the flooring business or a physio business or at Investec or in architecture or in advertising agencies or as doctors or as lawyers or wherever we find ourselves. God is wanting to bring his life to every sector, every industry, every economy, every home, every university, every school, every shop, every mall, every hospital, everywhere. And he's inviting us to be fellow agents with him, that um, we would partner with him to bring renewal to those environments. That is our ministry as followers of Jesus. And I think for many of us, we have bought into this lie that there is somehow a divide between the sacred and the secular, that God is only using what we would probably maybe call professional Christians to renew the city, to bring restoration and redemption, that in in a way we've put a focus on preachers and pastors and maybe church employees, that God is using them to bring about his renewal and his change. But what we really see in Genesis 1 and chapter 2 is that God is using each and every one of us in the spheres of influence that we find ourselves in to bring about his redemption and restoration that he is wanting to use every member of the church, every member of the body of Christ. And really, when I was preparing for this, I just had this picture almost of a subway. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a city that has a subway, um, like New York or Paris or one of those places where all these trains are on these tracks going everywhere. And I almost just had this picture of members of our community just dotted all throughout the city, all connected to to God and working to glorify him and working to love and serve him and one another. And as they do so, we just see the renewal of God impact creation, impact our work environments. It's the lawyers, it's the accountants, it's the in the gyms, in the courts, in the restaurants, in the shops, in the office parks, wherever you find yourself this morning, that God is actually wanting to work in you and through you to bring renewal in those work environments. I believe that God has placed his people in every um, aspect of 
work we can think of because he wants to use it as a catalyst for renewal. If we want to see the renewal of God come, it's not going to only be in this building on a Sunday in this church, but it's going to be across the city, across the world, as we step out in faith and partnering with God to see his renewal come to all the places that he has placed us in. We get to reflect his glory in these ordinary places as we watch him do extraordinary things. These places, as we work, our work can tell the story of God and point people to him and bring renewal. And so this morning, I believe the question that God is really asking all of us is, will we be his partners in his story and what he's doing here on earth through our work environments, through the work that we do? Will we bring life? Just as we see in Genesis 2, he kind of puts this assignment on Adam to bring life. As God has brought life to Adam, then he calls Adam to bring life to his environment that God has placed him in. Would we put up our hands and say to God, yes, I want to be your partner, God, and seeing all of creation renewed and redeemed because of Jesus and through Jesus. And I think if that is us, if we want to be followers of Jesus that bring life to the work environments and workplaces that we find ourselves in, there are perhaps a few questions that we need to ask ourselves. Perhaps we need to ask ourselves the question of, what needs to stop in this place? What in this environment or this place, whether it be a home or a school or the shops or our actual um, place of work where we do our jobs and our careers, what needs to stop in this place? And would we partner with God to see those things come to an end? Perhaps it's something like gossip. There's a culture of gossip where we find ourselves in that doesn't breed God's life, that doesn't bring renewal, that doesn't bring redemption and restoration? Would we be people who stand up against that and actually bring the life of God into that situation? Perhaps what we need to stop has more got to do with us. Perhaps it's habits or working habits that we've formed that actually do not bring glory to God, that do not glorify or point people to him, and that we actually need to come before God and ask him to help us in those areas so that we can beautifully display his life Perhaps it's our attitude or our view towards work. As I spoke about earlier, we can have this attitude that is apathetic, or we can have this attitude that is just, I'd rather just throw this whole thing in the bin, or we can have this attitude where we see it as our God and our idol. Perhaps this morning God is asking us to stop that and to rather focus on him and allow him to um, use us to bring about his glory in our workspace. Perhaps the question we need to be asking ourselves is, what is missing in this work environment? What is missing? What of God is missing here? Perhaps it's integrity and honesty, and that's what we need to bring to the table. Perhaps there's gifts and talents and abilities that God has put in you that you can bring to serve your work environment and your workspace that builds and creates this culture of renewal that God is wanting to see happening throughout the city. Perhaps it's a dream that he's put in your heart. It's a God-given dream. He's put something in your heart where he said, I want to do this in and through you so that I can bless others and so that they can experience and encounter my love. And maybe it's that step of faith that you need to take, taking something from a dream and making it a reality as you step out in faith to bring glory to God and renewal to the environment you find yourself in. Perhaps this morning we need to ask ourselves the question, what is it that needs to be celebrated in the workplace or work environment that we find ourselves in. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that when God makes creation, he makes the world, he says, it is good. He makes the animals, he says, it is good. He makes the plants, he says, it is good. He makes humanity, and he says, it is very good. 
we see that we have a God who celebrates work, who celebrates the good that is in the world. And I think in um, the atmosphere that we surround ourselves in a lot of time, even in the city of Durban, we have almost this condemning and complaining nature where we just condemn things to black plastic bags. We just want to throw them away, chuck them out, get rid of them. We have this um, almost atmosphere of complaining where we just complain about everything. But I think God is a God who is calling us to celebrate what is good in this world and to lift that up and to glorify him through our celebration. We have, as followers of Jesus, the biggest reason to be celebrators. The fact that we, our own hearts have been renewed and, redor- renewed and restored and redeemed through him. I really believe that we become a community who celebrates what God is doing, that it will point people to him and that it will glorify him because I think people have become so accustomed to a culture of complaining and and, um, condemning that a culture of celebration, which which is what we see God doing, is refreshing and renewing to people in their lives. What would it look like for God's kingdom to be cultivated in your work environment or your workspace? And how can you partner with God to make this happen? As he uses you, as he empowers you, as he equips you, what do you need to stop? What is missing? What can you bring to add to the renewal of what God is doing through all creation? And what is there that can be celebrated? As I was preparing um, for this morning, I I just felt like God was highlighting this passage of scripture in Ezekiel 37, which I'm just going to read out now. It is quite long, so (laughs) just bear with me. But this passage of scripture is titled, The Valley of Dry Bones. And what it says is this. I'm just going to take some water quick. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. That's the also could be read as the people of my people. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. 
I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. And I just felt this morning that perhaps there were many of us, we're standing in this place, we're standing in this environment and it's just a valley. A valley is a picture of a place of just kind of coldness, no life, no joy. It's a hard place to be in. And as you're standing in this valley, you look all around you and all you see is dry bones. And when I think of dry bones, what I really think of is death, death and decay. As you look around you in your work environment or your workspace, perhaps it's even another situation that has nothing to do with work. All you see is death and dry bones. And this morning, God is asking the question. He's saying, son of man, can these bones live? Can these things that seem so broken and distorted, like those, that black plastic bag that we just want to throw away, can this, what seems to be garbage and useless and trash, can this be brought to life? Can this be redeemed? Can this be restored? Can this be renewed? And we see in this passage of scripture that Ezekiel answers him and he says, God, only you know. And how I read that is, no. Like, he's basically saying, like, jeepers. I don't think so, but hey, if you think so, let's see what can happen. And throughout that rest of that scripture, what we see God doing is that he's saying, actually, all of this that we're going to toss aside and think is done and think is completely devastated and destroyed is broken and distorted, but it's not destroyed. The game is not over. There is no final say over all of that. There is no final say over those dry bones because we see in the scripture and we see throughout um, Jesus' life and death and resurrection that God is wanting to take those things that are broken and distorted and perhaps to us dead and he's wanting to breathe his life into them and that he's wanting to use you and I to partner with him to see that happen. We're all commissioned and assigned this mandate of bringing God's life to the creation around us, that we can see it restored and redeemed in him. And this morning, I really believe that God is wanting to ordain each and every one of us in the place that we find ourselves to be a minister of him, his, and to bring his life. So that where there is death, where there are dry bones, we can see um, the spirit of God breathe his life into those things, so that as humanity and creation, we can flourish flourish and thrive as we bring him glory and as we serve and love him and serve and love one another.